Thank you for listening to this sermon by Destination Church. We make all of our resources available because we hope they have a huge impact on your life and show you how much you matter to Jesus and to our church. If your life has been impacted through our ministry, we encourage you to share your story with us by sending an email to hello at destinationchurch.cc. We hope you enjoy the sermon. So what we've been doing in this series is called Chase What Matters, and kind of the overall theme that we've been going with, the kind of the direction that we've been going is, is that life was meant to be more than just lived. That you exist to have a life of meaning. And if you're going to have a life that matters, you have to chase after what matters. And so the statement that we've been kind of threading through this whole series for the last four weeks is this. You won't chase after something you don't have a heart for no matter who you are or where you're at no matter what circumstances life has brought you to right now you won't chase after something if you don't have a heart for it and so we've been talking about that in order to chase what matters we've got to discover what Jesus is chasing after what matters to him we've got to find out what the church should be chasing after and that's what we've been talking about for these past few weeks So today we're going to finish up, we're going to bring it full circle, and we're going to talk about the thing that should matter to you the most. And when I say it, you're going to, a lot of us are going to shake our heads, we're going to go, yes, that that is right, that is what matters most to me. But if I was to take a look at your life, it wouldn't tell the same thing that your mouth is telling me. Ooh, just got tense in here, didn't it? Can you feel it? Yeah. That's good. We want to talk about that. We want to talk about the thing that matters most. When it comes full circle, it all comes back to this right here. Jesus matters. More than anything else in your life, what is high priority, what takes priority, is Jesus. And we're going to talk about what that looks like today. And we're going to talk about how we can come full circle and realize that he is the thing that holds it all together. You see, we started out by talking about that What really matters to Jesus is you. You matter to Jesus and so you should matter to the church. And we should go out of our way. We should chase down with everything in us trying to figure out how we can show you that you matter to Jesus and you matter to us. And then over the last couple of weeks, we talked about some things that really do matter to Christ. They're really important to him. Things like our kids and things like community that we live in together because you weren't meant to do life alone. And all of these things were so important to Christ that he died for them. And so today, we're going to come full circle and we're going to talk about that all of these things are things that he really holds all together. When we chase after these things and we make these things important and they begin to matter to us, we begin to discover that really and truly, it comes all the way back around that everything really is about Jesus and how much he matters in our life. So I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 9, and we're going to be reading out of the ESV, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 20, and in these eight verses, we're going to take a look at the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, and we're going to look at his conversion to becoming someone who was chasing after Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul is is a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's responsible for writing a majority of the New Testament. And in these eight verses, we're going to take a look at a vivid example of what Jesus does to change a person's life when you chase after him. So, 
If you don't get anything else today in this message, this is what I want you to leave and walk out of here with today. This is the main point, and it should be on your outline, and this, this is it. If you'll chase after Jesus, he will change you. You're like, whoa, Pastor Ricky, that is so profound. You mean if I chase after Jesus, I mean, he will change me? Yes. You see, a lot of us, we're looking for some deep theology. We're looking for some deep, complex answer, something that's going to make a a shift in our mind happen, and we're going to go, whoa, I never knew that. That's amazing. And we think we're going to take that knowledge right there, and it's going to change the way we live our life. But I want you to know today, that's not how Jesus operates. He doesn't need to give you some profound truth that you discover to change your life. All he needs you to do is to live out one of the most simplest and basic statements that we can make in life today. And that's this. If you chase after Jesus, he'll change you. If you genuinely and authentically give it the best shot, the best try that you can give it, and chase after him with everything that's in you, he'll change your life. Not could he, or would he, or should he. He will And until we can grasp that and take it into our heart and realize he will change me, we're not going to be willing to give up what we have to give up to chase after him. So today, I want to use the conversion of the Apostle Paul to help us to see why it's so important that we chase after Christ and realize that he will change us forever. So you're going to turn to the book of Acts chapter 9, and you're going to be looking at verse, starting at verse 13. And before we go there, I want to tell you a couple chapters ahead of that. In chapter 7, we find a man named Stephen, okay? And Stephen is a, a, a man that is um, one of the religious leaders of, of the early church, okay? And we find the apostle Paul, he is here with Stephen in chapter 7, because Stephen is going and he's sharing the name of Jesus with people. And the religious leaders of the day, they don't like it, okay? As a matter of fact, they're pretty ticked off. And in chapter 7, let me get that out a little bit. In chapter 7, can you guys still hear me okay? Okay. In chapter 7, I didn't want to just keep pu-pu-puing around and you guys, so we'll get off of that one. So in chapter 7, we find Stephen being ticking off the religious leaders so bad that they stone him to death. They kill him for sharing the name of Jesus. And we find the Apostle Paul, who is Saul, and he's here, and he sees what's going on, and something snaps in him. And he starts to go out of control. You see, I know today that if you will chase after Jesus, he will change you. And he's about to show you why in this story right here. Just like he changed Paul, he can change you and I today. You're like, Pastor Ricky, how do you know that if I chase after Christ, he will change you? Well, let me answer that question by asking you this question. Somebody give me a name of a person that has greatly impacted our society today. And please don't say Justin Bieber. Anybody else besides that joker right there? Any, anyone else? Anybody? Somebody? Just, just offer it up, yell it out. Steve Jobs, right, Steve Jobs. Is there anybody in here that doesn't have an iPod, iPhone, iPad, Mini, iMac, iHome, iToilet, something. If you Raise your hand. If you don't have anything that's Apple, raise your hand. Man, you guys need to get with the program. I mean, you, where have you been? Under a rock? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right. Even the people that don't own an Apple product, they have to admit that Steve Jobs has changed the way we do life, right? I mean, he has made a major impact in the world. Anybody else? 
What about somebody like uh, Truett Cathy? He just passed away, right? Founder of Christian Chicken. The American church would have collapsed 50 years ago if it wasn't for Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, I really think that the reason he went to be with the Lord is so he could go up and start building the Chick-fil-A for when we all get there, right? I mean, I'm telling you there's going to be a Chick-fil-A in heaven, right? Milkshakes, right? <laughs> and it will be open on Sundays. It's not open today. Jesus, you matter. I'm telling you, there's going to be a Chick-fil-A in heaven, y'all. <laughs> At least in near my mansion, there's going to be one. All right, who else? What about, what about this one right here, J.K. Rowling? Right? Doesn't matter what side of the debate you're on, good or bad. Little book named Harry Potter. Maybe you've heard of that book before. Right? Impacted the world, right? Doesn't matter what side. You have to admit that the world was impacted. Whoa, did you hear that? The world was impacted. Sorry, I didn't want to put, okay. The world was impacted by her, right? Let's, let's go a little broader, something we all know. What about MLK, right? I mean, we're still seeing the impact his speech had today on this world and this society today. G- great impact on this country and our society. What about people we don't like? What about people like Adolf Hitler, Right? Right? Like you hear that name and automatically it, it does something to you on the inside, right? Most of us, okay? Those names, there's one thing that all of those names have in common, and it's this. 250 years from now, they're not really going to be making the impact on this world. I mean, they'll be in the history books and people will be able to read about them, but 250 years from now, they're not going to be making the impact. Their name is not going to be making the impact that it has, But in 250 years from now, to the day, to the hour, there's a name that will continue to make an impact. And it's the name that is above every name. And it's the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus 250 years from now, whether you're paying attention to it or not, or whether you've gotten used to hearing him 24-7, he'll still be healing people. And he'll still be helping people. And the name of Jesus will still be restoring people and bringing people out of bondage and out of struggle. And he'll be caring for them. And that name will be loving on them. And he'll still be changing people's lives and still making a mighty impact in them. Because the name of Jesus is above all names. It's the game changer. The reason I know that if you chase after Jesus is because the Bible says that if you call on his name, he will change you. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we may be saved except the name of Jesus. In Philippians 2 and 9 through 11, it says that God exalted him meaning Jesus, and gave him the name that is above all names. And then he goes on to say this, that at the name of Jesus, just in case nobody knew what the name was, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That's the way it's presented to us all the time when we say it. There's actually another phrase that's in there, in that verse right there, in verse 10. And this is what he says, every knee shall bow In the heavens and on the earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Just in case you need a clarification again. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father forever and ever. Under the earth, demons, at the name of Jesus, they got to bow and they got to confess.
I want you to know it is the most powerful name that there is, and it is a game changer. And we're going to learn today that when you call on the name of Jesus, that's how you chase after him. When you call on the name of Jesus, you're chasing after him. And when you do it authentically and genuinely, and you ask him to come and to be in your life, he will change you forever. So we find the Apostle Paul, he's in chapter 8 in the book of Acts, and he snaps, and he goes out of control. And in chapter 8, it says that because of that, he starts to go and persecute Christians with everything that's in him. As a matter of fact, it says that he goes from house to house, and he pulls men and women out of their houses, and he takes them off to prison. But he takes them to prison because he knows that's where they're going to die. He's murdering Christians. He's persecuting people. He's lost it. He's went out of control. And then he goes to the chief priest and he says, hey, I want you to give me a written document that gives me authority to go to these cities and to just drag people out in the name of Jesus. Anybody who's claiming on this name of Jesus, we're going to drag them out and we're going to kill them. We're going to burn them and, and we're going to murder them and we're going to get rid of all of them and eradicate them. We got a group of people right now that's in this world today that's making the same kind of claims, right? And you know what? This wasn't a Bible story for these people. In the book of Acts chapter 9, this, this was these people's lives. And they were experiencing it. And this man of terror came in with the authority of the church, of the religious leaders. And I find it really odd that religious leaders will break God's commands so that they can force you to pay attention to theirs. That's the kind of person Paul was. He was a Pharisee. That's what he was doing. And so he's on the road to Damascus, bloodthirsty, hunting down people with everything that he can just because they call on the name of Jesus. And then something happens to him. The Bible says that he has an encounter with this Jesus that people are calling on. The Bible says that Jesus himself, at the beginning of chapter 9, comes and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then something so small, and we miss it if we're not paying attention, something so small happens that if you miss it, you won't really understand what it means to chase after Jesus. This, this is what Paul says to Jesus. He says, who are you, Lord? Right, right. He asks him who you are while simultaneously calling him his name. He calls out in the name of Jesus by saying, who are you, Lord? I believe in, in the Ricky Mosel version of the Bible, the translation, the RMV, I believe, this is just my thing, but I believe at that moment, Paul had one of those, oh, crap. This dude's for real. What have I done? I mean, really, how many of you guys have ever said, hey, what's your name, Ricky Mosel? You guys ever done that before? Right? No, no, you don't do that. He called on his name. And when he called on his name, Jesus changed him forever. And I believe that there are three things today that we can look at. Three things that, when we, that all of us need. And the only way to get them is to call on the name of Jesus. To chase after him with everything that we got by bowing before him. And doing what Philippians 2 said, confessing that he is Lord, calling on his name just like Paul did. And if we'll learn what Paul learned that day and we'll have those mo that moment like Paul had that day, Jesus will change you 
just like he changed him. You're like, Pastor Ricky, I, I don't know if I need Jesus to change me like that today. Oh, well, you know what? Paul, he was one of the most gifted religious leaders of the day. He was a God-fearing man, and he didn't think he needed him. As a matter of fact, he was willing to break God's commands so that he could force people to follow his own. I want to show you three things today that all of us, that happens in this story, starting in verse 13, that's going to show us that Jesus can change you. And there are only three things that he can give us when we call on the name of Jesus. So if you'll look with me on your outline, the very first one is this. If I can find it here on my outline, I'll pull it. Three things all of us need that can only be found in the name of Jesus. The first one is this, help. That's it. Help. No fancy statement, just the word help. The Bible says in verse 13 in Acts chapter 9, but Ananias, Ananias is a prophet that earlier, before verse 13, Jesus said, hey, Paul, I want you to go into town. You're Paul, but he loses his sight and he's blind. And he says, I want you to go into town. I want you to find this man named Ananias. And Ananias is gonna restore your sight. And then he's gonna tell you what to do next. And then Jesus goes and he appears before Ananias. He says, hey, this man, Saul of Tarsus, I just met him on the road and I wore him out and whooped him up and he lost his eyesight and now he's going to come begging and pleading to you to help him. So when he comes, I want you to help him out. And this is what Ananias says. He, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Ananias didn't know what he was saying, did he? He thought Paul had authority to bind people who were calling him. But you and I know no one can bind people up forever if they're calling on the name of Jesus. This is what Jesus says to him. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him, talking about Paul, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I want you to know the first thing that Paul did when he called out for Jesus' name. He said, Lord, I need help. Now that I know who you are and I can't see and you jacked me up and messed me up, what am I supposed to do? I need help. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he got up and he actually went and did the very thing that Jesus told him to do. This Jesus that he was persecuting, that he was murdering people for, when he has an encounter with him and he calls on his name, he cries out for help and he gets up and begins to follow him obediently and doing exactly what Christ put in his heart to do. Exactly what Jesus told him to do. He asked for help. How many of you guys in here today simply... All you really need to do is ask Jesus for help. See, the problem with a lot of us is, is we don't think Jesus can help us, and that's why we're not calling on his name. He may have even helped us in the past, but we're not used to the fact that he can actually help us whenever we ask for help, so we choose not to ask. But the reality is we all need help, right? I mean, we are not a perfect church. These are not perfect people. And if you came in here today, you messed us up even more. (laughs) Because you're not perfect either. Right? All of us need help in something. Right? When I get a new job, I need help. Right? You don't know what you're doing the first day on your job. You may know some things, but you don't know everything. Right? You need help. Right? 
You know, when I got married, I thought that I knew what, what being married meant, right? I didn't need help for that. I mean, nothing, my wife is amazing, and she is one of the strongest women I know. I love her to death, but we were married for about five years, and I realized, man, I don't know nothing about what it means to be married. I need help in my marriage. And if you've been married 40 years today, you need help in your marriage, right? You just have to ask for it. What about our kids? Right, when you have kids, you find out right quick in a hurry that you need help, right? Like every man has had that moment where you pull the diaper down. And you're like, I got this. You wipe and throw away. No, that's not how simple it is at all, right? You find out right then and there. You pull the diaper down and you go, <laughs> Jesus, help me with this. This has got to be eternal hell right here, Lord. Right? We need help with our kids. I'm just being totally honest with you. When we brought my daughter, Brooke, home from the hospital, right, I had these visions of I was going to bring her home and I was going to let my wife go to sleep because she's the one that's been doing all the work. And so I'm going to stay up with her and I'm going to be wide open, you know, open-eyed and going to be wide awake. And it's going to be 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm going to be walking around in my living room going, hush, little baby, don't say a word. Daddy's going to buy you a mockingbird. Right? Even with the accent. I, I just, that was in my vision, right? When I was up at two o'clock in the morning with her, this was what I was doing. Will you please go to sleep? For the love of all that's holy, go to sleep, little baby. Right? And then when she didn't respond because me yelling out like that made her cry more, I said, Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me. Do what only you can do. And calm this baby down. Right? We all need help. We need help with our finances. The first time I got a credit card, I realized I needed help with my finances. Right? Every one of us in here have an area in your life that you need help in. Right? Can I tell you something? The area of your life that you need help in, that's the area that you're not submitting to Jesus. I love you enough to be honest with you. Talking to me too. When we have an area in our life that we need help in, when you ask for help, you're telling him, I'm going to lay this down at your feet. I'm going to submit it to you, and I'm going to let you take control. Because if not, it will make me out of control. Asking for help in an area of your life means saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are and that you can do what you say you can do. So I'm going to submit this area of my life to you. Asking for help is something that can only be found in calling on the name of Jesus. Now, that help may come in different forms, okay? T today, at the end of this service, we're, I'm going to do an altar call. I I'm going to do a call. We're going to have everybody stand up. We're going to pray, and we do that every week. And we don't go through the motions. We lay it out, and we think about it, and we figure it out, and we pray about it, and we expect. We're very intentional about the altar call, and here's why. It's an opportunity for you to ask for help. Like, Pastor Ricky, I came there and you said I need to ask for help. When do I ask for help? It's going to happen at the end of the service. You're going to have an opportunity to ask for help. Whether it's in your finances, some of you in here, you need Jesus to come and invade your life. You need to ask him to save you. You need to ask him to come and be the Lord of your life. Whatever it is that you need. Some of you, you're struggling today and you need help. And you didn't realize all you had to do was ask for it. 
and mean it and then turn over control to him and he will do just like he did with Paul and he will change you and you'll have that moment and you'll go, oh crap, this guy is for real. And he'll forever change the way that you look at your life. The second thing is this. The second thing is healing. Three things. Number one is help. Number two is healing. Verse 17, it says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, talking about Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He restores you on the inside and the out. Not only did he regain his sight, but he was able to have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to invade his life and to know what it was like to call on the name of Jesus, just like all these people that he had been persecuting and he couldn't figure out why they wouldn't stop calling on his name, even though he was pulling them out of their house and he was taking them, putting them in prison and he was killing them and murdering them and their families were being split up. And these men and the women, they didn't know if they would ever see their children again. They didn't know if they would ever live life like they were living it again. And they still were not willing to give up calling on the name of Jesus. And he began to experience why because Jesus changes you. When you chase after Jesus, he changes you. Paul found that out that day. Paul found out that if he asked for help, Jesus will provide a way. It may not be the way that you want him to, but he'll provide a way. And if you seize that opportunity, he will begin to heal you on the inside and the out. And he'll begin to transform you. The Bible says in verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. So he got his sight back. Did he get filled with the Holy Spirit? Then he rose and was baptized. Why did he get baptized? Because you're proclaiming that Jesus has saved you. And taking food, he was strengthened. You know, a couple of years ago, I was helping a friend of mine move this lawnmower off the back of his truck. I know, I know, all of you are thinking, idiot, right? I know that's what, if not, I was thinking, idiot, what are you doing, right? So I'm pulling off the back, and so I'm the guy who's so strong. Good, nobody laughed. I like you guys. I, I was just waiting for somebody to go, rah, rah, rah. I was the guy who was so strong that I decided I was gonna stand off the back and carry the weight, right? I was gonna pull down the back of the mower. And so I laid it down and I had one of those moments. And any of you that are over the age of 35 to 40, you know what I'm talking about. This moment right here, poop, right? Right there in the lower, you felt the poop, right? When you're 25, you're like, Psh, you don't hear your back pop, I'm telling you. That joker said, poop. And I felt it all across. It was like somebody just did a little jab in me, right? And then all of a sudden I realized I could bend down, but I couldn't stand up. You guys ever had those moments before? Right? The first thought that went through my head is, God, why am I so old? Hey, being old. Oh, yeah, and it hurts too. So then I got back up, and I went home, and I took some Advil, and the pain went away. I went to bed, and you guys know where this is going. If this happened to you before, you know where this is going. The next morning I wake up, I can't move. Right, like like a mummy in a cat. I'm like I'm just as straight as an arrow on the bed, right? And you wake up to this. Oh, I can't move. 
right? And my wife's like, oh, just, you'll be all right. Just roll over, you're okay, you know? You know, like, I'm dying over here. And she's like, you're all right, it's just a backache, you're right? And, and I cannot move. And so I finally, I get myself to move and get out of the bed and realize when I get out of the bed, I can't stand up. Like, I can't put any weight on my body, right? Like, when I was 25, 20 minutes later, I'm okay. But no, I'm 40, so my back is like, eh, eh, eh. You can't get out of the bed this morning, sucker. <laughs> right? I had to go to physical therapy for that junk, right? Three days I was in the bed because I couldn't stand up. And it took me two weeks of physical therapy to get back to normal, right? 25 years old, 20 minutes. 40, two weeks, right? Right? Yeah, I, I don't even want to imagine when I get to 60 or 80. If I, guys, I apologize. I hate it for you. I'm sorry, right? <laughs> so, I, like, two weeks later, I get back to normal, and, man, finally I'm healed, right? But I want you to know that that, that was a physical representation of something that happened in my body, which I believe is equal to a spiritual representation of something that happens to a lot of us in our soul. A lot of us, we struggle with things, and things happen to us. And spiritually, our back gives out. And all of a sudden, we can't, we can't figure out why we used to recover from things emotionally or spiritually quickly, and now we don't anymore. It, it takes time. I want you to know that some of you today, your soul looks like my back look, and you're struggling. And spiritually, you can't get out of the bed. And spiritually, you need someone to help you, to heal you. And just like Paul called on the name of Jesus, and just like Jesus healed him, Jesus will heal you too, not only physically, but more importantly, spiritually. What is a struggle that you're dealing with today? What is something in your life right now that, that you're saying, God, I'm not proud of this, but I need your help? There's a lot of us in here that we've got a, a past, we've got things in our past, and it's holding us back from moving forward in our future. Because we think there's no way that I can be healed from that. Maybe physically, maybe on the outside no one noticed, but on the inside spiritually, I'm damaged goods. And there's no way that Jesus can look at me the same spiritually with all of that junk in my past. And I want you to know today that is not the case at all. That is the enemy lying to you. That is you lying to you because it's so hard to convince ourselves that Jesus doesn't see us the way that we see us, that he doesn't pay attention to the past that we pay attention to. It, it's so hard for us to understand that he can take that and set it to the side. But Romans 8 and 1 says that if you believe in him and you call on him and you live for him, there is no condemnation for those that pay attention and live in Christ Jesus. You can be healed. He isn't judging you. He does want you to move forward. Paul realized that moment that he was persecuting the very people that knew what he knew. He realized he had been murdering and killing people for following the Messiah. Think about this. The guy they've been waiting for for thousands of years. And Paul's been killing people because they found him. The guy Paul's been waiting for. 
Do, do you see the severity of it in his mind? I've been persecuting and killing the very people that have discovered the thing that I've been waiting on my whole life. We found him and I've been killing people that have been trying to live for him. What in the world is going to happen to me? I'm the lowest of low. I'm the worst of worst. But when he had an encounter with Christ, Christ not only healed him on the outside, but he healed him on the inside too. And he let him know, "Mm -mm. Uh -uh -uh. I'm not condemning you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've got going on right now. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you think. I want you to know that when you call on my name, I am the antidote to every disease you can ever think of. When you call on my name, I fill in the gaps and I restore you and I heal you and I make you a brand new creation and you can move forward in your life. And I wanna help you do that today. And I want you to discover it through me healing you. Do you know that's why Jesus healed people in the New Testament? All these miracles where he healed people's sight and brought them back to life. All of it was just so they could recognize that he had a better gift to offer. Right, like the 10 lepers in the book of Luke, right? He healed all 10 of them, their leprosy, and they took off and one came back and he said, I offer you the gift of eternal life. They got the real prize. He got the real prize. He heals us on the outside so that he can show us and reveal to us that he can heal us on the inside. You and I today, if we will call on the name of Jesus, he will help you and he will heal you. And the last thing that he will do the, th the third thing that all of us need that can only be found in Jesus is this, hope. Help, healing, and hope. The Bible says in Acts chapter nine and verse 20, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. He went to the synagogues, the very places where he was going to find people to drag out and murder and put in prison. He went there and he said, hey, this guy's for real. He is the son of God. He found hope. Jesus changed him and he realized it didn't matter what my past was. Now, what I was doing to persecute his people, Jesus is gonna use this instrument right here for his glory. And he wants to use you to do the same thing. He wants your life to have meaning. He wants it to have purpose. And it is found in chasing after Jesus. And today, Paul has shown us a vivid example of what it looks like to genuinely chase after him and to see the help and the healing and the hope that Jesus can bring in your life. I'll tell you this one last thing and we're going to close. How many of you guys in here are Auburn fans? Anybody, any Auburn fans? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Any Alabama fans? Any Alabama fans in the house? Yeah. Alabama, roll tide, that's right. There was this game last year that happened between Auburn and Alabama. Dude, I mean, this game, okay, I don't care who you are, I mean, that game was amazing. I mean, like, if you guys didn't see it, okay, all over the news, it would be hard for you to believe for me to stand up here and say, listen, 
There was no time left on the clock, and the Alabama kicker, kicker kicked the field goal. And the Auburn guy was like, that guy is a stinky field goal kicker. He can't make it all this way. So I'm going to put my dude at the end of the end zone just in case he can catch the ball because that's legal. And when he catches the ball, he can take off across the field. And miraculously, we hope that he is going to be able to go all 100 yards or 110 yards or whatever because no time is left. And that's the only thing we got left. That's the only shot in the dark that we got left, right? And what happened? Bam, right? Greatest game in their history. Unless you're an Alabama fan. <laughs> Oops, sorry about that. <laughs> right? But I mean, people were losing their minds, right? They were jumping off of couches. They were slugging their neighbor in the face. They were kissing strangers. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Can you believe this happened? Right? I mean, it was a miracle ending to a game. No one thought that that guy had a shot in Hades at scoring a touchdown with no time left until it happened we all saw it i mean seeing is believing right we watched it on video when you saw it on video you were like well i know that's already happened because they're replaying the video but i still can't believe what i'm seeing the only reason i believe it is because i saw it right none of us thought that that was really going to happen i mean the announcers they were like you know they ought to put a guy from auburn in the back of the end zone because this is a long field goal no if that guy can make it he hasn't made it that long and just in case they might be able to catch the ball and run it back and the other one's like her her that's a good one run it back yeah that's not happening and then it did i want you to know today that paul thought there was no way in hades i will ever call on the name of jesus christ until the moment that he did until the very moment that it happened. And after it happened, he was probably having the same reaction that those Auburn fans were happening. Is he was going, is this for real? Did this really just happen? Did some dude just shine light on me and I got blinded and everybody else couldn't see it, but they all were scared to death and took off running. And, and all of a sudden this Jesus is talking to me and like, I know he's for real, but I just pinch myself. I can't believe it's real, right? It took a moment to set in. He didn't think it would ever happen until it did. You know what he learned that day? He learned that day that you and I, we always have hope. No matter how hopeless it is, we always, always, even when we don't think it could ever happen, we always have the hope that it will, that, that it can. And today, I want you to discover that hope. Today, I want you to have the same discovery that Paul had. Thank you very much. Satan, you and me about to fight. The same discovery that he had that day, you and I can have today. So I want to ask you if you would, if you would stand up with me today, and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And Kevin, he's going to come, and he's going to play for us. And while he's playing, we're going to pray. And today, we're going to offer up whatever it is in an area of our life today. We're going to offer it up to Jesus, and we're going to ask him to help us. And we're going to ask him to heal us. And we're going to ask him to give us hope. All because we called on the name of Jesus. So, 
all of you standing, thank you very much. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is that time in the service that I was talking about. Let's pray. Everyone in the house, if your head's bowed, eyes closed, let's pray. Father, today you have clearly spoken to some of us today, spoken to some of us today. God, today, just like you spoke to Paul that day and you made him realize, Lord, that you are here to change his life and to use him to change the lives of many others. God, today, you're here to do the same thing for us. And just like Paul responded to you that day, God, we ask today that as we respond to you, as we chase you down by calling on the name that is above all names today, we ask you, Lord, that you would bring change in us. Let us today be changed by responding Responding, God, and calling on you. God, there are people that are in here today, and they need help, Lord. And right now in their seats as they're praying, they're asking you to help them. And the area of their life that they're asking you to help them in, God, they are saying, I will submit this to you today. God, there are people in here today that are struggling, and they feel condemned, and they don't see any end. Lord, they don't think that you can help in this area. You've just forgotten about them. God, today, let them know that you can heal them, that you can restore them. God, that you can bring them out of that past and not let it define them anymore, and you can move them into a new future. God, there are some of us today, and we are running low on hope. I mean, I'm, we've got a glimmer of it left, and, but it's fading fast. Today, Lord... God, as these guys are calling out to you, as they are calling on you today, I ask, Lord, that you, that you would restore that hope. God, that you would let them know that even if it's a last-second Hail Mary, you can deliver. Father God, thank you for helping us today. Thank you for opening our eyes, just like you did Paul's, and helping us to see what truly matters. And really, God, that's you in our life. Today, if you made that decision today with every head bowed and every eye closed, right where you're at in your seat right now, would you come down to the end, here to the exit, and go with some of these guys that we have down here from our care and prayer team? If you need to ask for help today, if there's something that you need healing in or something that you're struggling with, would you come right now, right now, just leave your seat and come on down. We've got some people here. They came here and just for you today so that they could pray with you help you answer any questions listen to you if that's you today if you'll leave your seat right where you're at and you'll just come on down right now come on down don't be afraid don't wait come on down right now with every head bowed and every eye closed if you need healing today if you need someone to talk with you and help you through something that you're dealing with if you need to ask for help Listen, every one of us needs to ask for help. That's why we have next steps here. Because all of us have a next step that we can take. So if you need to ask for help today, even as a believer, if that's you, come on down right now. Out of your seat. Walk right now and go. Right now and go with these guys. They're here. They want to be here for you. They want to listen to you, help you. Whoever you are today, right now, come on down. Anyone else? God, thank you today for giving us healing. Thank you, Lord, for giving us help. And thank you for giving us hope. And thank you, Jesus, for being the name that is above all names that changes people's lives forever. We love you and we honor you. And it's in your name that we ask all these things and give you all the glory and praise. In your name we pray, Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Guys, you may be seated. James is going to come up and dismiss you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. You guys have a great week.